0: During the month of August, I'm sharing a series of sermons with you entitled, Tactics of the Enemy. The Enemy is a title in the Bible for the devil, for Satan. and The devil is the enemy of God. He's opposed to God, and because he's opposed to God, he's opposed to you, because you're the crown of God's creation. God loves you. God made you in his image. And uh, so, like these terrorists today who just wantonly destroy, that's what Satan does. He wants to destroy you because he's opposed to the one who made you. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says that um, we don't want Satan to outwit us, for we're not unaware of his schemes. So if he's trying to destroy us, we ought to know, try to know how, right? It makes sense to know if somebody's trying to destroy me. I want to know what their tactics are, what their schemes are. and So we don't want to be outwitted by Satan. We don't want to be unaware of his schemes. Are you aware of the tactics that Satan is using to destroy, try to destroy you? Well, that's what we want to expose, we want to uncover. We, we looked at the first tactic last week, and we exposed the the tactic that the enemy works to destroy us by trying to conceal the good news of Jesus. You see, if you will believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died and rose again and came to give you life, and if you'll put your faith in him, you'll have eternal life. Well, the devil doesn't want that. He wants to destroy you, so he wants to conceal to cover up that message of the good news, to distract you from it. And if you hear it in church, he wants to remove it from your mind quickly so that you can't think about it. That's the first Tactic of the enemy. Now, today we want to consider a second tactic of the enemy—the way that Satan seeks to destroy us—and that is, the enemy seeks to deceive and confuse us. Uh, He uh, he, is—he's sneaky. He doesn't—he doesn't doesn't fight fair, and so we're going to see today that he's a liar and a deceiver, and that he seeks to deceive and confuse us. Uh, I've got a picture of some uh, money to put up here. Uh, Two $20 bills. One of them is real and the other is counterfeit. Can you tell which one it is? You see, uh, a counterfeiter is someone who takes something that has no value and tries to make it look like something that does have value to deceive you. Well, that's exactly what Satan is. Some of you aren't listening. You're just staring at those 20s, trying to figure out which one is real. So let me just cut to the chase. Uh, which one's uh, real? Ah, y'all were good. You could uh, Somebody will hire you to work in a bank or something, maybe. Uh, uh, you're right. The top one is real, and the bottom one is counterfeit. Well, Satan is the ultimate counterfeiter. The enemy is seeking to deceive and confuse you. Uh, the uh, treasury department tells us that there are 70 million counterfeit bills, in cer- 70 million dollars of counterfeit in circulation. That's one out of every 10,000 bills. So if you've got $10,000 under your mattress, go home and count it out today and at least one of them is probably a counterfeit bill. Uh, well, Satan is that same kind of counterfeiter. And today we're going to look at three of his counterfeit schemes of how he's trying to make something false look like something that is real. Here we go with the first one. The first one is that the enemy plants false disciples in the world. He plants false disciples in the world, counterfeit followers of Jesus he puts them in the world to confuse you to deceive you. Let's look at it in scripture in Matthew chapter 13 beginning in verse 24, Jesus tells a parable called the parable of the weeds, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? And enemy did this. Here's our title for the devil, right? He is the enemy. An enemy did this, he replied. So here's the situation in this story that Jesus is telling. uh, a, A farmer goes and sows wheat. He broadcasts the wheat seed on his plowed field. But then at night, an act of sabotage, an enemy comes in under cover of darkness and sows weed seed over the top of it. What a terrible thing to do. Experts tell us that this weed was probably bearded darnel, which looks like wheat in its early stages of growth. The blades look like the blades of wheat as they're coming up. But later, when it comes to fruit, when it produces a head, it's obvious that it's not wheat. The head looks different from that of wheat. But by then, it's too late to pull it up. You'd disturb all the crop, pull up the wheat. And so this is an act of sabotage. And uh, there were even Roman laws on the books that uh, punished this by crime. So it was a a thing that happened in their day. So... The rest of the parable says in verse 29, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So at harvest, it was going to be a painstaking process. When you cut those that wheat, you've got to pick out by hand those stalks with the weed head, burn them in bundles, and then gathered the wheat. What does that mean? Well, Jesus tells us the interpretation beginning at verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house and his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. So Jesus says, the sower, that represents me. He says, the field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. So Jesus is creating the planting disciples, followers, sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. So what Jesus is saying, that the counterfeiter, Satan, is working to deceive and confuse you because he is planting in the world false disciples who look like the real thing. Have you ever had somebody who said, I, I'm not going to church, they're all a bunch of hypocrites? You're falling for the strategy of the enemy. Have you ever been a little discouraged or delusioned because somebody who you thought was a Christian acted in a certain way? That's the strategy of the enemy. Don't be thrown for a loop by that. Understand, Jesus warned us that's what would happen. There'll be some time in your Christian experience, probably, when some Christian that you respect will fail you in some way. Somebody will quit, somebody will sin, and the temptation is for you to say, oh, it's it's not real, I, I can't believe that would happen. See that it's the strategy, the tactic of the enemy, that he is deliberately mimicking disciples in the world in order to confuse you and deceive you and don't be thrown off by that. Now, I'm not saying that every per, every Christian who fails or falls is a um, false disciple planted by the enemy. The very, one of the points of this parable is that we can't tell and that we're to leave judgment to the end of time to God. Let me read to you the rest of Jesus' interpretation, verse 40 and following. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they'll weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They'll throw them into the blazing furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. So Jesus said, it's going to be a mixed bag, this kingdom, until Jesus comes back. And we're just going to have to live with some of that hypocrisy and false disciples. And we're not going to know who are genuine disciples who have just fallen. We're all sinners. And those who are imposters, we're not going to know. But God can take care of that. So you don't have to worry about it. At the harvest time, at the end of time, he's going to send his angels and there's going to be a separation. And it will be evident then by the fruit of our lives and God can make that infallible separation. So we're not going to worry about it. We're going to trust God to do that. So we don't go on witch hunts. Now, the Bible does tell us as the church that we have the right to to judge certain sins. We have the right to discipline. We we call sin, sin, and so churches do exercise discipline. This doesn't mean, oh, we can't ever say anything is wrong. No, we say what is right and wrong, and we even exercise discipline. But when it comes to determining whether a person is saved or not, we're just not qualified to do that. We might get it wrong, and so we got to leave that to God at the end of the age, and he can take care of that. We don't go on witch hunts. In 1692 in Salem, Massachusetts, somebody was accused of being a witch. Then somebody else. And then somebody else. And it became sort of a hysteria that they were looking for witches everywhere. And before the year was out, 1692, 144 people had been formally charged with being witches and 19 were hanged. 15 years later... Some of the accusers apologized. The judge apologized. The jury apologized. They had gotten some of it wrong. We just can't make, this is what he's saying in this parable, we can't make infallible decisions about that. God can do it. So in the meantime, we're not going to be discouraged or disillusioned because we recognize it as a tactic of the enemy. There's a second counterfeit scheme of Satan that we want to try to uncover. Not only does the enemy plant false disciples in the world, but the enemy places false leaders in the church. He places false leaders in the church, and they're going to be leaders who seek to lead you astray. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 2. Paul's writing to this church at Corinth and he had founded this church and he's very protective of it. He loves it. He does not want these Corinthian Christians to be led astray. And he says in verse 2, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I I present you as a pure virgin to him. But, verse 3, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your mind's, now remember, in these first two weeks, what we're really looking at are tactics of the enemy that relate to the mind. You remember last week we talked about that he will try to obscure the beauty of the gospel. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers, so he works in our thoughts. He gets our, and now we're seeing that he, he can try to confuse your thoughts and deceive you. And so your thought life and your meditation on Scripture is so important. So he says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's what he's worried about because... Paul says, you don't seem to have any discernment, the next verse, verse 4, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easy enough. And he says in verse 5, I don't think I'm in the least inferior to these super-apostles. See, what had happened, I think that's a title they were using for themselves that Paul is quoting here. After Paul had founded the church, other teachers had come in and they said, yeah, Paul's an apostle but we're super apostles, you know. We're, we're, we're really, we're really, teacher, you need to listen to us. And they were preaching a different gospel, a different Jesus it says, leading them astray. Now look in verse 13, what Paul says about them. For such people are false apostles, deceitful Workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder for Satan himself, here we're exposing his tactic, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Oh, he's sneaky, isn't he? And so, you're, you know, even people who have seen angels, not all of them are angel sightings, because Satan can masquerade as an angel of light. Paul will say to the Galatians, Even if an angel preaches to you a gospel other than the gospel I preach, don't believe it. So our standard is not some vision, it's the word of God. So Satan can masquerade as an angel of light. Verse 15, it's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. So the tactic of the enemy is there are going to be Christian leaders who fail too. And you may be shocked by that, and it should not shake your faith. And there are going to be false teachers. And in our generation, there are cults that have led many astray. Joseph Smith was a false teacher who's led a, a large segment of our population astray. Uh, there, Ron Hubbard and his Scientology has deceived much of Hollywood, or at least some segment of Hollywood, it seems. And so these are false teachers planted by the devil to lead us astray not everybody you see on TV that pretends to be a good preacher is a, is really a, a a servant of God and the prosperity gospel is preached often on television saying that that oh, if you'll if you'll just follow Christ your job will go better your income will be higher and that's not always true now see here's what happens with error there's always a little bit of truth in it error always has some truth and there is certainly is a blessing in following Christ. And with everything being equal, you do have a better chance of having a good life following Jesus because he wrote this stuff on life and he knows how it ought to be lived. But so you can take that truth and twist it and say, oh, you're going to get richer, better job, and, that, and that's, that's deceitful. And so error has some truth with deception and their leaders. And so you need to have discernment, Paul is saying about the Word of God, because Satan is a liar and a deceiver, and you just be ready. There will be leaders who prove to be false leaders, and that should not shake your faith because it was predicted by Scripture. It's a tactic of the enemy. So the Word of God is what we judge on. We don't believe what a a vision or an angel or any human says if it contradicts what we've received in the Word of God. But there's a third strategy of the devil. Oh, he's sneaky, so he takes that and runs with it. The enemy suggests false interpretations of the Bible. We just said that the Bible is our standard, it's how we discern what we follow and what's true. So the enemy plays off of that, and he's even going to suggest false interpretations of the Bible. Let me show you that in the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Verses 3 and following, Jesus, after he was baptized, went into the desert to pray. He got hungry after many days praying there in the desert. And so it says in Matthew 4, 3, The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And he's tempting him at the point of his hunger. We're going to talk about our passions next week and how he works not only through the mind but through the passions. And that's what we see here. Jesus answered, verse 4, It's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So even Jesus quotes Scripture, quotes from Deuteronomy. Jesus used the Bible. The Bible is Jesus' standard. That's how you answer Satan. There's a good model for us. But, oh, he's so sneaky. Watch what he does next. So since Jesus quoted the Bible, Satan quotes the Bible to him. It says then, verse 5, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, and the devil is quoting from Psalms 91, he will command his angels concerning you and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. That's true. That's in the Bible. But Satan was using that scripture, twisting it, misinterpreting it, taking it out of context to say, therefore, you ought to jump off this temple and God catch you and you'll be okay. And Jesus comes back, quoting to him in verse 7, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan even quotes the Bible. He uses a, a wrong interpretation of the Bible. But the Bible will never contradict itself, and Jesus is saying that cannot be the right meaning of this Scripture because the Bible says, don't test God. But you see the point here? Not everybody who even quotes the Bible to you is correctly handling the Word of God. So you have to have some discernment there because Satan, in his deceptiveness, can even have people... you ever had somebody quote a Bible verse to you about to justify something or to say something was the right way? And you thought, that just doesn't ring right exactly. Well, perhaps it was because, like, like this situation here, people take things out of contest. They, they use it to justify their own actions. And there has to be some discernment there because Satan... So again... Just everything that has a Bible verse tagged onto the end of it does not necessarily mean even though that is our standard it is the infallible Word of God but it must be rightly handled. And here Satan is wrongly handling the Word of God. So you may be thinking whoa, all this stuff about false Christians and false teachers and false interpretations how am I going to know who to follow and what to do? Well, the book of 1 John is written for that very purpose. And let me share with you a statement about how we can discern the truth and stay on track. The Holy Spirit leads you into truth as you remain in Christ and His words remain in you. You want, you want a summary statement of what 1 John says about how am I going to know the truth? How am I going to stay on track? How am I going to thwart this deceptive work of the devil? The Holy Spirit's within you. And if you'll remain in Christ and His words remain in you, then He, the Spirit of truth, is going to faithfully lead you into truth. Let's see that in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. A lot of people talk about the antichrist at the end of time. I believe that's going to happen. That's true. But what we sometimes forget is the Bible says there's a lot of little antichrists running around right now. There's a lot of false teachers, false believers, deceivers right now, he says. What are we going to do about that? How do we know who they are? Listen to verse 20. But you, First John has a confidence about believers. doesn't want you to be afraid or, or to be worried, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. That's referring to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into you. He anoints you, and He is the Spirit of truth. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. You see, Jesus is the truth, and when you know Jesus, you know the truth. I've read that counter. That uh, treasury agents who try to uh, ferret out counterfeit money, I've read that they don't spend a lot of time studying all the counterfeiters. They just study the real thing and therefore they know how to recognize it. You don't have to know all the errors, you just need to know the real thing. You know Jesus, you have his spirit, you remain in his word, his word remains in you. Let's go on, verse 26. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Well, that's what we want to know about. That's what we're talking about. Here it is, verse 27. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. You stay in the Word of God. You stay close to Jesus. As you remain in Him, His words remain in you. The Spirit of truth who is the anointing who is within you will give you the power of discernment and lead you in the right way. You've got a part in that. You need to remain in Him. His words remain in you. And it will give you that discernment. You don't have to worry about the devil. You need to be focused on the truth who is Jesus and His Word and be saturated in that. And you'll be okay because the spirit of truth is going to lead you into all truth. Now, I want to speak to those of you who may not be believers or you may not be active in church because you've seen so much of counterfeit religion. There are folks in our church who's, who grew up in cults and have had a hard time getting from that. People in our church whose parents had, had led them into a very strange kind of lifestyle, and so it's hard for them to see, is any religion real? Let me leave you with this. Counterfeiters don't counterfeit $25 bills. You know why? Because there aren't any real $25 bills. That would be sort of stupid to make fake $25 bills and pass them out, right? The very fact that there's the counterfeit indicates there's the real. You know why the devil is trying to fake this stuff? Because he's afraid of the real deal. So don't be so dissuaded. Yes, there are going to be hypocrites. There are going to be teachers, uh, preachers on TV that are sleazy and slimy. There are going to be somebody that fails you. There are going to be interpretations that you read in books or read on the Internet. Don't get your theology from the Internet. You read on the Internet that are just way off base. But you know what? In some strange way, it testifies to the truth. The enemy is only counterfeiting that which is the real And there is false. But because there's false, there's true. There really is a God who loves you. There really is a Savior who died for you. There really is a Spirit who will come within you and help you live your life. And that's God's desire for you. And it's real. So don't let the confusion of the enemy detract you from the fact that there is a reality recorded in the Bible embodied in Jesus, who loves you and has a plan for your life. Would you stand together with me? We're going to have a time of invitation and response. Would you come and embrace the truth today? I wouldn't want to live without the spirit of truth, the anointing that gives us discernment because it's so easy to get confused in our world, so easy to get off track. Would you come to the truth? Based on good evidence, put your faith in Jesus Christ and follow him. So we're going to sing in a moment. And as we sing, it's your opportunity to say, I want to become a Christian. Walk down these aisles is the way you indicate that. Meet me here, another pastor here. You're going to be baptized next Sunday when we have our baptism, the sign of being a Christian. Today, you can make your first confession in Christ. You could join this church family today. We'd welcome you to come and be a part of, of our church family here. So this is your opportunity to respond. If, you're, if you've been confused, if you need somebody to pray with you, There'll be somebody to be happy to pray with you and help you where you are in life. Let's sing together.